Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. We're going to start off with a bang. We got our correspondent itching here, ready to go. Okay, Brian. Okay, look, calm down. We're, we're getting to you. We're getting to you, Brian. He, he's very eager with his with his segment. So here we go. Okay, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Bites on the Draft Champions Podcast, where we give you fantasy baseball tidbits to nibble on. I'm Brian Seymour. Nibblers, today's Bites is going to be a departure from our normal programming. I want to say that I came to the Draft Champions podcast with the intention of growing this segment, but recently, I cannot turn a blind eye to the misinformation coming from the podcast's very own host when it comes to the recent Jeopardy! segment he administered with three guests, who will have their identities protected for now. I will apologize in advance for the profanity, but some quotes from this segment include, Carlos Santana is slow as shit. The Reds aren't getting better anytime soon. I look the part, so I think I'm allowed to say the word Jew. These were just a few select quotes from the recent episode featuring a Jeopardy! segment. So with this, I hereby make a statement to Mike Curland, or whoever the current Human Resources Department is of the Draft Champions podcast. They can either hand Zach party line, scripted, fantasy baseball community-approved information, or myself and the Fantasy Baseball Bites segment will be forced to move to a similar podcast platform with admittedly their own flaws, as long as they still pay me. This community-approved information would include fantasy takes like this. How can anyone draft a closer in the second round? That's preposterous. Or, why would I draft a player like Raphael Devers when I could just get Patrick Wisdom 320 picks later? Nibblers, I think we can all agree that strict limitation on ideas that are discussed and advocating for groupthink is how we all become better. So, I leave you with this. If this rhetoric continues, I'm afraid the future for the Fantasy Baseball Bites listeners will be that one more kid will never go to school, never get to fall in love, and never get to be cool. Thank you for listening to Fantasy Baseball Bites on the Draft Champions Podcast. We hope we gave you something to nibble on. Back to you, Zach. What the fuck was that, Brian? You think you can just come on my fucking podcast and have a Baseball Bites segment like that? You can go to your similar podcast. I don't like your attitude lately, Brian. And I think that it's time for you to pack up your desk. Yeah, take that mug. Take your mug, okay? I don't care. No, I don't I don't need it. If you leave it here, if you if I leave if you leave it here, I'm just gonna throw it out. Curl Curlin's gonna throw it out then. He's not gonna use your old mug. Get get out. That's it. Brian is no longer part of this podcast.
I don't like what he's up to. I don't like his attitude, and this is not what the Draft Champions Network would ever stand for. So good riddance to you, Brian Seymour. What what are you trying to give me here? No. What is this? No. An expense report? Get, no. Any expense reports that have not been submitted are not getting paid. I'm sorry. I don't care. No, it's not, it's not retroactive. What is this? This is an ex- – you went to Nobu. You took Buster only to, to Nobu. And how many people went with you? How many people did you take? You took Rick, your IT guy, to Nobu with Buster only. No. Sorry. We're, we got to start the show. You, both, both of you, yes, Rick. Both of you have to leave. I'm sorry. Okay. We got to start the show here. James, James is here. Okay. We got to start. Sorry. You guys got to go. Leave. Okay. Hey, welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. We're here with James Anderson. How you doing? Doing great, Zach. Thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Um, we've been we've, we've been in enough drafts together, and um, it's been a long time. That um, I mean, I, I meant to have you on last year, but and and I was thinking to myself, I got to get James on to talk about prospects. But I, I I sort of feel like people always have you on these on, on the podcast to just talk about prospects. But like you're more than just like a prospect guy. You're in the NFBC leagues. You're you're like a, a a dual threat, right? So I don't want to just talk about prospects. I want to talk about some strategy too. That's that's great, man. I uh, feel like I repeat myself a lot this time of year. So yeah, I'm gonna uh, try not to. I'm gonna try not to ask like the basic standard, like who, who? Let's talk about Bobby Witt. Let's talk about O'Neill Cruz. It's like I'm gonna yeah. try and try to stay away from that. Like I do have some deeper questions on prospects. We are here with Graham, but he's having some technical difficulties, so he might pop in and out like Pokeroo. Um, so do you want to tell everyone where you, where they can find you? Uh, yeah, I mean, just go to rotowire, uh, rotowire.com slash pod. You get a free trial without giving us your credit card. Um, you can find me on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I tweet out all my stuff in there. Beauty, beauty. All right, so let's get started here. Um, housekeeping. Let's look at the agenda. Housekeeping. What is housekeeping? All right. Are you vaccinated? <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. So we, like, we don't need to mask up. Graham, I think Graham is vaccinated. Oh, I'm triple vaccinated. Can you actually hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, beauty. I'm using my phone. Say hi to, say hi to uh, James. What's up, man? Hey, Graham. So How's yeah, going? Graham and James were in the battle of the podcast, uh, part two. And we are, we are going to have, we're, we're, we're going to have to, we're going to shift things around next year. So we have, uh, we had our, like, our, we have the OGs, but then we got to, we got to, we got to do some sort of system. I told Kev, uh, uh, surgeon that we're going to basically, we're going to have to, um, we're going to have a relegation system and we're going to say, I said, I also said, it's not really fair that we relegate. We just choose a league, like arbitrarily decide which one's worse, but I'm saying it's not arbitrary because Kev's in that league. So he's obviously like the worst player. So we're just going to relegate to, to that league. And Graham, you said you're okay with that, but I'm sure I'm looking at that draft. I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, James won't have any issues of coming up to the, the bigs after looking to that. Although, although, although everyone thinks Lawrence team's the best team. She, she started, like, if we're getting into this draft, like, I've looked at it a fair bit, but, like, she started really strong, but kind of failed, fit, fit, not fit, ah, faded towards the end. I don't know if she has the depth to make it through a whole season, but, I mean, that's why the games are played, right? Well, now that we're on it, you want to just quickly just um, look at that draft? Uh, sure. Yeah. So, you guys, you guys were picking right next to each other. I think, Graham, were you 14th? I was 13, and James was 14, yeah. Okay, yeah. I've seen that board a couple times, and um, 
Thank you, Governor. I think we have yeah, some. Guess, my my question for you, James, was: uh, Do you see uh, imminent change to the CBA? At least that's my takeaway. Is this true? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I know I ended up with um, a decent amount of prospects in the final, uh, what, 15 rounds. Um, you know, most of them are guys who I either think will be up in a month or uh, guys who are on the 40 man and um, could be up right away. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I probably took, you know, a few too many prospects, uh, which I, I try not to do, but I, I really think uh, the guys that I took for the most part are guys who um, should be up. Uh, How many prospects did you take in that draft? I, 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 I don't know the answer. I just uh, I haven't looked exactly. Uh, I'd, I'd have to count it up here. Um, and Graham, put, Graham uh, listed a couple on the agenda, but a lot of these guys have already been up, like Reed Detmers, Kurloff, um I'm looking at right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I don't, I don't think I took anyone. Uh, I think the first guy I took who hasn't played in the majors is Riley Green. Uh, I took Josh Lowe fairly early on, too. Uh, Josh Lowe was off obviously for, for a minute last year, but um, it wasn't until like the, the 40s where I, and it was mostly pitching prospects that I just, I think, I think you're going to see just a ton of uh, pitching prospects debut. Uh, throughout the year, like really good ones. And so I, I just felt like I'd rather grab a few of those guys than just guys who I know suck. Um, but the question just popped in my head, just, just, just when you said that, now, if you think this, if there's going to be like, a, um, at a, I don't know if this is the right word, right word, but an abnormally large amount of really good pitching prospects debuting this year, if you're in a main event or even OC, would that cause you to, um, spend more money on say on closers early in the draft because you know you're going to be wanting to fab all these hot shots that are coming up i mean I, yeah i think that that's just a, a good strategy in general uh but yeah i mean like part of the reason why i went with some of these pitching prospects in round like 40 to 50 is that i i felt that i uh, address saves satisfactorily satisfactorily uh in the first 30 rounds like i ended up with two pretty safe closers, two guys in uh, Hoyer and uh, Sims that I think have a, have a shot. And then I just stopped even trying to get uh, saves from there. And so, you know, while some other people were taking setup men and seventh inning guys, uh, I was taking pitching prospects I expect to debut in, in May or June. Right on. And I think uh, I looked at the saves. I looked at some, I looked at the saves in the DCs in, in some detail recently. And the one takeaway that I had was that not um, that the teams that performed well, like the, the, in the overall didn't spend a lot of picks on saves. Like they, there was some differentiation in between in terms of like when they would target the closers, like um, all the top, all the top teams that had a decent amount of saves did get a top, like a quote unquote top closer. But I think just not wasting quote unquote, I guess I'll use quotes again, wasting picks later on, on the specs really correlated well with, with teams that performed well. So that, that goes, that goes along with what the strategy that you're, um, that you're doing here. Right. I mean, that, too, that Go ahead. I was reading about was if, uh, 
if the seasons like the the owners are still going to want 162 games even if it's in a tightened up window like if they start late so you'll have more even if they don't change the cba which they most more than likely will you'll have more um ability to call people up on the 40 man on those like weird seven inning double headers so like in 2020 when we saw all those like weird cups of coffee you could just have that going again yeah i mean i i think uh i mean all every team's gonna need to dip into their sixth seventh eighth guys in their org and um yeah i think a lot of a lot of the prospects i took are maybe seventh on their team's depth chart at, in the rotation. Um, I mean, I think the there's just so many reasons why I'm taking closers pretty early this year, but I'm just not very good at hitting on saves after pick 30. And, I mean, I'm sure there are people who are good at that, but I think a lot of times those are just wasted picks. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm not good at I'm not good at speculating on saves. I found that out last year. Maybe it was a bad year, but that's that's that was my Achilles heel, and and that's what that's the main reason I didn't do well in DC season. That was the main reason I just failed the cash in the main event, is saves. Um, so just on to um, you, you mentioned Riley Green, and I and I was looking. At, I was just sort I was just sort of just sift through minor league stats uh, a lot, and I think he was. There was only three players in the minors, all the minors last year that had, and this was a this was a trivia question we had in another episode, um, that hit 300, had 20, 20 home runs and 15 stolen bases last year. There's three of them. And Riley Green was the youngest of those three and the only one of those three that made it to AAA. So, like, he seems pretty special. I think the other two, if I don't, uh, I'm trying to remember, there's a guy in Texas and there's, um, I don't even, I honestly don't recall, but um there's two other guys that did it, but they were just, they're younger and they were lower, lower levels. Um, yeah. And he, and I mean, obviously he's going to debut this year, but I mean, like he did that and he was the youngest hitter at double A AA and triple A when he was at those levels while he was doing all that. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Um, so yeah. If you look at him and, and his, his price with respect to Bobby Witt and O'Neill Cruz, I know different positions, but um do you think Riley Green's a little bit? Uh, I guess you've answered the question. He's a little bit undervalued in these these traps, at least relative to other prospects. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just a huge steal right now in draft and holds. Uh, the The question to me is just sort of where is he going in the big March drafts? Uh, because it's it's easy to you know I think there's a chance he just opens the year uh, on the big league roster. Uh, you know, the CBA gets changed I think that's very likely like if we're in Tiger spring training Riley Green's going to be one of the three best outfielders in camp so um, you know he could open the year on the big league roster but you know if we're doing like a main event uh, and let's say they don't change the CBA like then where where is he going and is he a value is he a value then like that that's the big question to me because I think he's just He's very clear, clearly a value right now in DCs, uh, but it's maybe a different story in the, with the seven-man benches. So he's going ahead of um, Julio Rodriguez by like his ADP. They're they're pretty close actually, in, like ADP wise. But compare those two because I think it's I think from listening to you and other podcasts, I think the consensus is that Green is going to be up before Julio Rodriguez, but they're but Green's younger, right? And they're both 
they're both they both they have they both have full outfielder outfield to give or take right like granted like both Julio Rodriguez and Green can overtake they're better players than whoever is starting um Green is three months older actually how is he um, but he he also got to AAA and Rodriguez didn't um so like I think the Mariners have just been clearly um you know, blatantly manipulating uh, Rodriguez's service time uh, in anticipation of manipulating his service time again this year. Um, so, like, they maybe don't expect the CBA to get changed. Uh, I just – I think it's very, very clear that the Tigers are going to have green up early, and I have no idea when Rodriguez is going to be up. So, I just – I would take green – all day over over J Rob, even though they, you know, Rodriguez is going to be a maybe a better player long term. Okay, I don't know why I thought that J Rob is older. Um, anyways, so clearly I'm wrong. Um, but like as I was I was as I was filtering um, doing that filter, I found that there were only a couple players, and I'm just looking for I'm trying to find these like hidden gems for like draft and hold leagues. Um, and I, got, I guess being on the fifth, being on the forty man would be a consideration here too. But like I looked at players with twenty home runs, fifteen stolen steals, and a two seventy average, and we had Riley Green there. But there's a couple other names here, and I'm, and I'm going to find the names that I was forgetting, obviously by looking at here. Um, Matt Frazier on the on the Pirates. He's another guy. Um, people are some, for some reason just in love with Anthony Alford all of a sudden. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't really understand it personally, but. Um, He's a guy there that that just completely crushed the minor leagues, and I know I know you like Travis. I've seen you draft Travis Swaggerty. Um, sort of maybe um, talk about those three players, and and um, does Matt Frazier have any chance of being relevant? I think Frazier is more of a twenty twenty three guy. Um, you know he he was a pop up guy uh, this past year. Just was not someone who was really on. Uh, anyone's radar going into the year, uh, at least not as, you know, top 400, top 500 prospect. Uh, but he doesn't have to be added to the 40 man until after this season. Swaggerty is a, like Swaggerty probably going to be their best defensive center fielder once he's up. Uh, and he is on the 40 man. Uh, he's going to be a guy who steals, you know, 20-ish bases every year uh, once he's up and assuming he hits enough to stay in the lineup. So I just, I think Swaggerty's up, you know, two months into the year. And Anthony Alford, I think it's just, you kind of play in that uh, playing time game a little too strictly with just, well, it's like wide open. He's uh clearly got a avenue to playing time uh but is he even good like i think he i think he's just not good and then he's also always hurt so do you want to be playing him like i, I don't know i mean i i know there's you, you want counting stats and stuff like that but uh, i think you got caught would, stealing more than he stole bases right i i just think you by the time by the time july gets here Alfred will not be playing. So whether that's due to him just being bad or uh, being hurt, whatever the reason is, like you're, you're, you might be getting playing time in 
May, maybe maybe even in June, but it's not a, I think that's a, not a full that's, season worth of playing time. That's pretty reasonable. So Matt Frazier is an X, no. So I would say if you have to say yes or no, no to him. A couple of the, again, these are guys with 20 homers, 15 steals, and a 270 average. Um, I'm not going to go over Bobby Witt, Josh Lowe. Those are all names that we really know. We talked about Riley Green. Um, another name is um, Kevin Smith on the Jays. Speaking of ex-Jays in, in, um, in uh, Anthony Alford, we've got a current Jay that was already up last year. He, I didn't realize. like He was a guy that sort of was like a top prospect, and he faded. And then um, it was now it was, everyone was like, oh, Groshan has basically replaced Kevin Smith. And then all of a sudden, Kevin Smith found himself again. Um, he's going in, uh, he is being drafted in the, in the rounds, like 40 plus. What do you think about him? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just, I think he is barely holding on to a 40 man spot in Toronto. Uh, he's, you know, he was 24. Uh, he had a strikeout rate around 24% at AAA. That's just not, that's not good in general. Um, just given his age. Like if that portends significant struggles in the majors. And uh, I just, I cannot picture this Blue Jays team being satisfied at all with him as an everyday player. Uh, right. Maybe he could be someone who's on their bench, but uh, I, I feel pretty confident that he will not be the preferred option at any point this season. So, uh, so I, I think that that one's, that one's just kind of people looking at the counting stats of AAA, looking at the fact he's on the 40-man and drafting him. But, like, I don't even have him ranked as a top 400 prospect for Dynasty League. I guess he was up. So, like, are you, by you saying that they don't, you don't think Toronto would be satisfied with him, do you think they're satisfied with Santiago Espinal? Like, who's better? Um, I don't even – I don't know. I, I think they would rather play Espinal, <laughs> but I, I also just think they're going to get somebody else somehow. I hope so. You know, me and Graham, we're from Toronto. We're, we're big Jays fans, so I'd love for them to get, like, Jose Ramirez. Right, just to get it done. The, the, the Jays owners are ex like Cleveland guys, so they'll they'll work out something. We gave Donaldson away for free, so I think it's going to be some sort of recipro- reciprocity treaty. We're going to get. <laughs> we're going to honestly believe that. I think I think it's like I think it's like totally corrupt. And um, we gave away Donaldson. What did we get? Julian Merriweather for him. Oh, basically hurt for the rest of his career, obviously, um, and gave him away. Um, I'm just being facetious, but um, but now they're going to get J Ram because. Cleveland owes us. Yeah, I mean, I honestly would not be surprised at all. Like they could, they could get J Ram. Uh, uh, they probably just have to clean out their farm system, but um, they could pull that off. And then uh, the other thing is, Gabriel Moreno uh, did play a little bit of third base uh, towards the end of the year. So mm, that's, uh, that's interesting. That's part of the appeal with him in DCs is that you know, what if he just, what if they aren't, they aren't able to trade any of these catchers and then Moreno's just moved to third base and uh, playing every day and he's eligible to catch. That's pretty sick. I never thought about that angle. I didn't know that was an angle. Um, next guy I'm going to ask about, I'm trying not to ask, I'm trying not to ask about the players that are on this list that are just definitely not going to be up like Anthony Volpe. I don't think that's relevant, but uh, Cade Marlowe, I think he was up for like six at bats or something. And again, we talked about Julio Rodriguez. I believe he's the Mariners guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, he had like again, the counting stats are there. I'm just like I'm just looking at the counting stats. I don't have the breadth of knowledge that you do. Um, so any, anything about anything with him because they've, they've you've seen a lot of guys cycle through there, like Fraley and um, what's uh, what's the other guy's name um, that like hit like under 200. Taylor uh, Trammell. Yeah, Taylor Trammell. You got Cade Marlowe there who seems 
to be just as capable in the minors? Is he anything? No. Uh, I mean, he's, he was 24 and he was at high A for most of the year. Um, you, you gotta, I mean, like I would put on some sort of a, if you can do some sort of filter uh, to filter out like the guys who are too old for the levels they're playing at. Mm. Um, Cause I mean, he's just, you know, he's, if, if you're 24 and you go to high A and you don't put up good numbers, then you're, you probably shouldn't even be in affiliated baseball and he still struck out 28% of the time. So. Okay. Off my list. Thank you. Um, two more guys I got, I want to ask you about one is Brendon Davis, uh, not Brennan Davis, but uh, mm-hmm. Brendon. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, but it's to differentiate it on the angels. Um, he put up really good numbers and I think he's on the 40 man. Yeah. Yeah. And they they got, they got he, a middle infield that they could fill up. Yeah. And I mean, he is a guy that I have ranked in my top 400. Um, he's kind of, it's, it's sort of power. And then what else are you getting? Um, you know, the, I don't think the defense is great. So I, the fact that they added him to the 40 man is, is a nice sign. Uh, I think that we could see him in the majors this year, but I don't really see his avenue to playing a ton, uh, especially, you know, he's right-handed. Maybe he's just kind of a short side power bat, but uh, I mean, he'll at least probably get a handful of plate appearances at the least this year. Nice. Um, okay. One, one last situation, Graham, you're going to might be pissed at me for asking about this, but it's We're going to talk about the Diamondbacks and um, there's um, Stone Garrett there who also showed up on this list, but I want to, I want to ask because I feel like this is sort of like, it kind of reminds me of like the Aaron judge situation in his rookie year into the, I think it was 2017 where like they had like Matt holiday and all these guys, um, Brett Gardner and a bunch of guys. And it looked like there wasn't clear playing time for anyone. And then it just, then judge just ended up taking the job because he played well. Um, now diamondbacks, they have a lot of guys there. They have some veterans like, um, like Peralta there, but they got like between first base, like I guess the corners and DH, they got Seth beer. They got um, Walker. They got, um, uh, Pavin Smith, they've got, um, you know, Stone Garrett, who I've mentioned, Cooper Hummel, sorry, Graham, um, we're going to mention him. And then they got, um, Alec Thomas as well. So who do you, who do you see being full-time players of those players that we mentioned? And I think that some of the people penciled in as starters, we kind of assume they will be, but, um, I guess, who do you see playing full-time and who do you see like that? Who do you see playing full time, and who do you see at risk of losing a job that people think are secure, like Pavin Smith? Like, is he at risk of just being phased out? Yeah, I mean, Smith could get phased out. Uh, I don't think that would happen early on. Sorry, and I'll include I'll include Varsho in that too. I think Varsho, sadly, is probably their second best hitter behind Marte, so I I do not see him getting phased out, uh, and that's that's obviously the appeal with him is I just think he's an everyday outfielder for them. Um, then, you know, Pavin Smith, he has some skills, but he just is not going to hit for enough power to play uh, the defensive positions that he can play. Uh, Stone Garrett, not really a prospect at this stage. I mean, he was 25 and had a horrible approach at double A last year, even though he did have the, the counting stats that you alluded to. Uh, the, the Diamondbacks do have just a handful of guys, though. Uh, Alec Thomas, like, he's he's their best prospect who will be up for a good chunk of this year. I think once they sort of feel comfortable about him being ready, 
he will be an everyday guy who displaces, uh, you know, either maybe David Peralta shifts to a smaller role, maybe Peyton Smith shifts to a smaller role. But I think like Alec Thomas and Dalton Barsho at some point this year, those two will be playing every day. Um, and then, you know, you got Jake McCarthy and Stuart Fairchild and Cooper Hummel. All three of those guys are on the 40 man, I believe. Um, I don't think any of them are going to be good big league hitters, uh, but I think you'll see all three of those guys get a shot at some point this year. Right on. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I told you I wouldn't, we weren't going to spend too much time on prospects and just hammer you with the same questions you're always getting hammered with. But um, what do I want to do? I want to talk about your OC, but I also want to ask you about um, to sort of expand on something you were talking about with Rob Silver on your podcast. It was, I think you talked about, he was talking about Miles Straw and um, how he, how, we were using the, the 700 OPS benchmark and, and not drafting them. And I agree with that. I agree with what he was saying. But um, I also, uh, I think, commented under, what about David Fletcher? He's a similar type, similar profile. Um, not like his OPS is terrible. Um, and the thing is, the thing with him is he's under contract, unlike Straw. And there's a couple other guys like that. Nicky Lopez, he's sticking around because he's might be the best defender, one of the best defenders in the major leagues. And then one other guy is Luis Arias. And um, he, he probably has the most playing time concerns out of all of those guys right now. But like, these are four guys that I'm really interested in not drafting. Um, do you see like, do you see any of these? Well, First of all, which one of these guys do you think is the most risky guy to draft in terms of losing playing time? Uh, Fletcher. Even um, even with his contract? I, I mean, I I actually don't think Urias or Straw are very risky, and I don't really think Lopez is either. Um, Urias, uh, you mean Arias, right, on the Twins? Oh, Arias. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's uh, what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, he, I, I think Arias is just going to kind of be a util, like three to four starts a week type of guy. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm not touching him at all. Like he's just not a player I have any interest in. Um, the, the kind of one category batting average guys, like that's just mm -hmm. not appealing to me at all. So even if he was playing a lot, I, I would be hands off, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Twins, something went wrong if the Twins give him more than, I don't know, 115 starts this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, Fletcher, you don't really want to be playing him, but they did sign him. Uh, I actually, yeah, I, I, I don't really think Straws as risky as, as Rob does. I mean, I actually just took Straw in my most recent draft, um, but uh, I think of, of those guys, I think Arias stands out. Um, and then Fletcher would probably be a close second. Like, I, I don't think he's getting paid so much where if he's just their top util guy off the bench, that, that's that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, the, the Angels have um, – they got Tyler Wade. It was interesting because he's yeah. sort of like a mile straw cheap. If, if he plays full-time, he's basically mile straw. Um, so he could lose – like. Fletcher, he's just so good, like contact-wise. That's why he's that's that's his main thing. He's just not going to strike out, and he's going to is like his contact rate is like ninety-five plus percent. So that's that's what he's good at. Um, but yeah, they do have other guys like we mentioned, um, Brent Brendan Davis, and they have um, 
Stefanik there as well, who's not on the 40 man. Uh, I've realized so like there is some there is some room for for him to to lose time there um straw like he's just going early that's the thing with him he's just you're you're gonna have to spend a lot like you're foregoing there's a lot of opportunity costs when you draft him that's my that's my issue with him um but Araya is like he's a guy that like he's going late he's got the triple eligibility and I actually personally if I had to draft one of those four for their costs I would take Araya's um because if you, if you pair him with like a good power guy and and you're okay on the power stats He's not going to get you to stolen bases either, but he like he's so safe for batting average. Like I think Lopez hit 300, and um, Straw they're saying could hit a decent batting average, but I just don't see any way that Arias like hits for a low batting average. He's just so so good at that, and he can move the like putting him like putting him in my projections like with my with a, with a full team, he could like move your batting average like four or five points like total. So he can make a he can make a huge he can do he can do the batting average Straw can do to stolen bases. Yet you're getting Arias like what 200 picks later, 200 150 picks later. Yeah, I mean, but like Straw is helping your runs and your batting average and your steals. Arias is just helping your batting average. And then, like, if you pair, like, I always see people talking about like pairing like Madrigal with Gallo or Arias with Gallo or whatever. Like, what if? what if one of those two gets hurt and then you're just stuck with the crappy average and the power or the great average and the no power? Um, I mean, I just like, you gotta be more than a one cat guy. Like I don't straw to me is a three category guy. Um, He's going to hurt you in power. He's going to hurt you in RBI, but he's going to be solid. And, and like, I'm not taking straw where, like I, I took straw at pick like 130 in this okay. DC 50 or in this NFC 50 I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm not taking him at pick 100. Like that's, I, I totally agree with you. Like that, that kind of run of those really solid veteran starters need to all be gone. Um, but I, I just think he is like, I mean, you compared Tyler Wade to straw. I mean, straw's got a career, K rate under 20%. Wade strikes out like 25% of the time. Um, and just, I think he's a, he's a good baseball player. Uh, he's not a traditionally good baseball player, especially in the modern game, but I mean, he was worth almost four wins above replacement last year. Okay. Straw has great plate skills too. It's, it's, it's pretty sneaky. Like he, he controls net bat. Um, yeah, no, I mean, he, he's, really good at fouling pitches off uh he has a very like obvious approach like it's it's the nick magical approach where you're just you're trying to rip singles um in between the uh first baseman and the second baseman and he's just so fast that he's gonna have higher babips than his hard hit rate would would suggest and uh just plays really really good uh, defensive center field and Cleveland like Cleveland has other other outfielders who are, who are coming they just they don't have any outfielders coming who are going to be uh, positive defensive center fielders so I I don't like taking straw like in the 100 range at all even if I'm just really light on speed I'll try to figure out another way to address it but 
he's he's on my board like i said on the pod with rob like i i don't expect to have many more I, like i might not end up with a, him again this draft season but he is on my board okay grant what do you think who do you like who do you like with those four you're not are you drafting any of them uh i do not want a rise i'm actually surprised to hear your take on that given how much we uh we chat i know you took them in pods there but that, I thought that was more of a, a necessity thing. Like the board was just getting hammered. Yeah, that was part of it. Like I, I, he's not a guy I target, but he's like of those four guys, I actually took a rise over Nicky Lopez just because he's just, I don't, I don't trust Nicky Lopez's batting average or really much about him. So I don't know. I think like I've seen some videos of Arias working out this year. I, could, I think, he can, I think he can add some power. He's hit some long home runs. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't like, I don't, I don't, I don't want him on my teams, but I, if I will, if I, if I do have to take one of these guys, I think Arias would be the guy that I take. I actually, I actually think that uh, David Fletcher is most secure in his playing time there. And it's entirely on the contract. Like they're paying him to like 2025, like $8 million a year. No, six and a half million dollars a year, man. That's such a weird contract. Yeah. That's kind of weird. All right, let's look at let's look at for twenty six and twenty seven. This is David Fletcher podcast. Um, let's let's take a look at your OC that you did last year, um, um, James. You, you you did with um, our good friend Todd Whitestone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Todd, Todd and I have been partnering uh, for for a couple of years now, and uh, that was our most successful team to date. That's awesome. So I was looking at that. I think that was your only, the only OC you did last year. Uh, that was the only one he and I did. Uh, I think I did. I did one other one by myself. Anyways, you guys cruised in this one. Um, good picks like Trey Turner start Vladdy in round five. You got Austin Riley at a good price wherever he was going last year. Um, I want to talk about the pitching staff and like, and how you filled in those gaps because you had some injuries. So you took Giolito, Zach Allen, Kenta Maeda, um, Sandy Alcantara, um, you were, I guess you were in on him last year, and then Savali, among others. But um, obviously, Gallon and Maeda didn't work out for you. But um, some of the players you ended your ended the season with were Shane Baz, Logan Gilbert, Logan Webb, Trevor Rogers. So I want you to talk about those guys. Obviously, like it's it's in the rearview rearview mirror right now that those guys are good players. Um, but um, you really in these twelves, you can't really speculate on more than one guy like that um and you, and you obviously you fab these guys throughout the year so uh, you got to have the you got to have like a watch list and you got to be ready to pounce in these 12s and i've talked about this like early in the season it's not like if you see a player that's going to make it be a difference maker use that fab so do you have anyone that you're really like looking at like looking out for that you're not going to draft but you're basically going to pounce on them as soon as they um you hear anything about them well you know uh the the pitchers i mean it's 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 a lot easier, uh, like, especially in a 12 like that, like there's just inevitably going to be, you know, over a dozen pitchers who you can get off fab, who you might not have even been on preseason and you just watch them for a start and you're like, Holy crap, this guy's actually good. Um, uh, he's definitely out there in my 12 team OC because a ton of pitchers are going to be out there. Um, so, I mean, the pitching, I think it's more just kind of reacting to what happens in season. Um, I mean, I could give you like uh, like Mitch White with the Dodgers. Um, like, I think he's a good starting pitcher. And 
I think he started to kind of show that last year. He's got good stuff. He's got a starter's pitch mix. He just doesn't have a clear spot in that rotation. Yeah, because, so I think, you know, because of the Trevor Bauer news. We should probably talk about <laughs> we should probably talk about Trevor Bauer. Just, just joking. <laughs> you keep going on go on about Mitch White. Sorry. <laughs> um yeah, I mean he like I think he'll go undrafted probably in a yeah. good chunk of OCs, right? Um, I would say I, I I can't imagine him being drafted at that. I mean he well, would like he would have to be just really impressing in spring training and like be trending towards like a spot, right? Um but like in all likelihood he won't get drafted. But uh, he could definitely get added to that rotation within the first month of the season and be uh, really solid. Um, and obviously, that's that's a great team context. Right. Uh, like I think, you know, a guy like does does Dylan Bundy get drafted in an OC? Um, I've done three. Uh, I don't think he has. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Dylan Bundy, Corey Kluber, um, like. Reed Detmers, I, I assume he'll probably get drafted just because yeah, he's been upside, drafted, but not all of them, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like there there's just all these sort of interesting starters sort of on that periphery who um will inevitably become valuable. You just gotta keep your eye out. But uh where we you know, Todd Whitestone, he does most of our fab and I do the lineup setting. Uh, we have, we talk every Sunday night about the fab, but uh, like he picked up Joey Votto uh, very early in the year because someone dropped him. And like, that's, that's one way that you can get really good guys in 12 team leagues is just someone gets off to a cold start in April uh, or someone who was maybe someone's like final fifth pick or whatever uh who they're not really attached to they see someone they want to pick up so they drop this guy that they're not starting um so like todd picked up joey Votto early in the year before like it was obvious that he was uh in for a special season and like that was obviously huge so um you know whoever it is like i don't know uh like i could see someone like carlos santana or uh maybe like Luke Voigt gets drafted and like isn't playing a ton and gets dropped or something like that. Um, like there's, there's going to be guys who get dropped in that first month and those 12 teamers who, who maybe shouldn't be. Uh, so that's, that's a good place to look on the hitting side. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm picturing like hitters that, that also are just as, uh, just as interesting as pitchers. Um, but what I found, and I've done three of them, I'm doing another one tonight. Um, the Vlad, the beat Vlad Sadler one, I, I entered that stupidly um because that draft like, we got guilds in there we got vlad we got fish um so that's going to be um not an optimal one to win an overall in but whatever um but what i've seen what i found myself is just there's so many good pitchers like at the end of the drafts when you're in around 28 29 30 that you're just like they're they're going to be going drafted i'm like i'm sort of just like struggling picking one so what I've sort of learned is to sort of focus more on the hitters in, in like the rounds leading up to that, making sure you get your good hitters, making sure you get a second catcher for sure is more important than like, for example, getting a second, getting a second catcher is more important than like, if you really like, like daily over, right. Uh, do you agree or disagree with that? hundred uh, percent. Like, I think in my experience, like, like you read off, like some of the pictures that Todd and I took in that thing, like, um, we just, we got basically nothing out of two of our top six pitchers. And then like a, a couple other guys that we took high up there, we didn't get quite what we were hoping we'd get. Uh, 
if you're if you're following what's going on, if you're um, like picking up Logan Webb, I think we maybe picked up Luis Garcia last year. Um, mm-hmm. Like the key, you want to have just a really airtight offensive uh, foundation of just guys who are not only playing every day, but hitting in the top five or six of their lineup. Um, like that is just crucial because you can't fall behind in runs. You can't fall behind in RBI uh, and you need such a good batting average and so many home runs to be competitive in those 12 teamers. Like, I think you, you absolutely got to prioritize that. So I've heard, I've heard, um, I've talked to two other really good players and they've, I kind of like, I think I agree with you, but I'll just tell you what they've said. So one, I, I, I talked to Dalton Dalton two days ago and he takes, um, first five of his picks are pitchers. And I think at least six of his first eight are pitchers. And he said that he wants to try one this year where he goes 10 straight pitchers to start a 12 team league. So he has his strategy is it's unorthodox. But also you know, I talked to Gilds who I'm drafting with tonight. He said that he just, he loves to draft, um, go, go um, pocket aces in these, in these OCs because you can just build such a monster um, with like the hitting that's available in the next couple rounds. But to your point, like, it seems like you're right to me. Um, like I haven't gone into a lot of details that just pitching is so much easier to find um, versus like just get, making a difference in your pitching staff so much easier in these OCs than hitting. And I think, I guess I'm not really asking you because you just told me that, but um, maybe comment on like um, those strategies, why you still think that um, hitting, hitting is what, what you need. Like you got to hammer hitting. Yeah. I mean, so I think, you can go pocket aces and still hammer hitting, right? Like, I mean, like you can have a loaded lineup. If you go ace, ace, um, maybe take two closers and then just the rest of your first 20 picks are hitters. Um, Like, I think that's viable. Uh, And then with the, the Dalton strategy, like, I really think you have to play to your own strengths as a, as a fantasy manager. Like I like probably the thing that I'm best at is finding good pitching after pick 100 um, like good starting pitching. And so I would never do that strategy because that's just kind of wasting something that I'm good at by Mm -hmm. using all those resources on pitching early. Uh, But if you're really, really good at, uh, finding um, good hitting uh, in those mid to late rounds. Like that's when I end up having to start um, a bunch of hitters that I took like after pick 200 to me that, that gets pretty dicey. Uh, like there, there are definitely guys that I love uh, who are going after pick 200, but there aren't, there aren't a bunch and they aren't at a bunch of different positions. And so to me, like playing to my strengths, I'd rather get, that offensive base in a 12 teamer. Um, but I mean, I'm, I am mostly talking about 12 teamers here with that, that specific approach. Right. So sticking in 12, sticking onto 12 teamers, you talked about grabbing two closers um, like in the early rounds. Um, you just did an NFBC 50. Um, well, when I'm, I've done a bunch of those and I've done a bunch of OCs, I'm not really targeting closers as much as I, I'm not really focusing on closers early as much as I am in the NFBC, NFBC 50s because they're like, you want to, um, keep your options open. I don't want to, I'm not going to, what did, what did Silver say? I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to dignify Phil by using his acronym. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I won't, I won't dignify Phil by using the exact acronym, but um, just in the, in the OCs, you, 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 
there's so many clothes you can pick up. Like last year, I remember I picked up like a whole bunch of guys, like I, like including class A and all the, like all the, the Floros and the Kittredges, um, all those guys, um, um, Barlow's. So there were so many that became available in these OCs last year. Um, but like with the fifties, you, you really need to, you really need to have three of them, like ideally to collect uh, enough saves to, to finish well in that category, to finish in the 80th percentile or above. Um, so I think in the fifties, it's really important to hammer them early and get like at least two early because there's no fat, but in these, in the OCs, I'm more, um, I'm more like a, I'm more apt to just take one and then take another guy like in the next range, like from, from the Kimbrell range, and then just try and speculate on one or two in the, in the OCs. Do you, do you play the OCs any differently than you do the NFBC fifties in terms of uh, closers? Uh, you know, honestly, I've, I've never spent up on saves to the extent that I've spent up on saves so far in draft and holds for this upcoming season. Um, so I, you know, last year in OCs, I definitely sort of implemented the approach you just kind of laid out. Uh, I've gotten so comfortable, um, paying up for saves this draft season, just because it just, it just gives me so much freedom to grab awesome values on hitters and starting pitchers in the middle rounds. Um, and so that's something I've gotten really comfortable with. So I, I wonder if when we do get to, like, I haven't done any OCs, uh, like you have, um, but like when I do start doing OCs, I think I got one scheduled for a week or two from now, but, um, like I, I'm interested to sort of see, I'm going to kind of let the board tell me a little bit. I, I, I promise you, I'll probably leave the first seven rounds with at least one closer. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a matter of, um, and like the more research I've done, I, I have started to kind of like some of those spec guys in the, you know, post 300 range. Um, really? I don't not, really... I mean, like, I wouldn't want to, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be like, I'm, I'm not paying up for saves because I think these guys are going to get saves, but uh, like there are at least a, like two or three who I, I can kind of fall back on as sort of like a plan C. Yeah, the guys are that I'm thinking of are Kennedy and McGee and Tanner Rainey are three of the guys that are popular. Like you're not, we're not spilling, we're not, we're not giving away any secrets because those are the three guys that people seem to really be asking about a lot or not asking about, but uh, drafting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I agree on McGee. I mean, I, I don't know how much longer he'll be going uh, as late as he is, but, um, like I, I also like uh, Jorge Alcala with the Twins and Cody Hoyer with the what uh, the Cubs. Um, yeah. But like again, like I, I by saying I like them, I'm saying like I think there's like a thirty five percent chance that they are the closer. So any chance yeah. that Alcala and I've heard about this, I, I've drafted a lot of I've drafted a lot of Alcala, um, not in an OC. I think he's a little bit too. Right. Uh, I, I'm not really interested in him in, in 12s, but um, in the draft and holds, like, do you see any comps between him and what we saw happening with Freddie Peralta last year? Uh, because I, I have heard that he could be a starter. So like, you see that happening at all? Um, so he does. Let me just, um, I want to 
just dig something up really quick. No worries. On him. Because he's going like a little bit later than Peralta was going. Um, and I remember early, I was drafting all offseason last year too. And Peralta was going in the early to mid 300s. And then he moved up in the main event to pre pre 200 pick because he was in the rotation. Apparently. Yeah, I mean, he, he does have, uh, he's got the stuff to start. It's just, you know, when he was coming up with the Astros before he got traded, like everyone always just sort of thought he was a reliever the whole time because of his command and just delivery and everything. Um, yeah. I guess the other I question mean, is, would he be more valuable as a starter or as a closer? Well, I, I've definitely started to buy into this, this idea that like Garrett Whitlock is going to be developed as a starter this year with the Red Sox. Um so like oh, well, they got a lot of mouths to feed in that rotation. Yeah, I just I think that they, I think they really believe, and he was a starting pitching prospect. Like Alcala was always sort of a relief pitching prospect, um, at least close, at least from my perspective. Like I never treated him as like a, a potential starter. Like Whitlock was a starter, and they just kind of stole him in the Rule Five. Um, and I think the Red Sox feel comfortable enough and they are going to spend enough money um, that they would rather just develop him as a starter. And that might not even be something that really bears fruit this year, but um, that's interesting on Alcala. I'll have to. I read, so, I read something on that like a couple months ago that he, they, like there is a chance that they're going to start him, but I don't even know if he'd be more valuable. So yeah, it's like those are those like Whitlock, they don't really have a set closer in Boston and like, Boston or Minnesota is, is really up for grabs. So based on what you said about um, McGee, are you not that confident in Doval? Like, is he a guy that you're avoiding? Like, conversely? Yeah, I mean, at, at his cost, I'm avoiding him. I, I think he, he could end up being – like, I get the appeal. I mean, he has a really high ceiling if he is the closer and if he does throw enough strikes to keep the job. I just – I think you're like, he's, he's basically only shown 17 innings as a pro that would suggest he could throw enough strikes to be a closer. So I just think he's getting a little overdrafted, especially just, I mean, it's not like McGee was bad in that job last year. No. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a risky situation there. Um, so if we're looking at like, um, Looking at, we talked about OCs a lot. Let's talk about a main event. I know, like it's it's far away. Um, you don't even know if there's a, the lockout's going to be still here in, in in March, but I don't think it will. I think they'll get something hammered out. Um, what's what's going to be your approach? Because obviously, we know uh, closes are going to be pushed up. What are you looking to do in the first five rounds? If you if you want to give that away, like just or. Um, I mean, are you looking like, would would you just, would you hammer three hitters in a row in a main event or would that be something that you'd be, you'd want want to shy away from because you want to get at least one pitcher and like a relief pitcher? Like, would you, would you go, would you go like Bo Bichette, would you take Bo Bichette, Manny Machado and, and, um, Tyler O'Neill for their first three picks? Um, I could definitely see myself going Bo Bichette, Manny Machado with my first two. Um, 
or I could see my like I could I could see myself going Bobachet, Manny Machado, Tim Anderson with my first three. Two shortstops. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I actually, dude, I I've I've always kind of gotten early shortstops um so far this draft season. Uh but like if if it gets to that that point, like to me, like Dansby Swanson, Willie Adamas, and Ahmed Rosario. There's just a massive drop off after Rosario, at least for me. Uh, you like, include Torres I, in there? I think I just you don't, I like, don't, you, don't buy, like to, you don't like Torres? I don't, no, um, I like I like Rosario more than Torres. Um, but like I I like getting um, I don't mind having two shortstops early when they're Bo Bichette and Tim Anderson and they're going to help me in all five categories. Uh, Manny Machado, I mean, like he's he's basically like a four and a half category guy as well. Uh, but I, it, you know, I think the, the the one thing that I'm doing right now that I'm not sure will carry over into the main event is taking catchers early. Uh, something's kind of got to give, right? And yep. Like I, I think uh, I think speed. Speed is speed has to be a priority in the first five rounds. Um, Taking a catcher really fucks you for speed. Well, I, I did uh, in the Battle of the Pods. I I took Rio Muto and Varsho. Um, so, like, I just wanted to kind of try that out and just sort of see, like, if I get like twenty two catcher or twenty two steals from my catchers or something like. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if you take like Will Smith and like. Kyber Ruiz or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's it's dicey, uh, and I like you can get away. Like I think you can get away with a lot in even in like um, you know maybe not in like a four hundred DC, but like in a, in a one fifty DC, you can get away with a lot right now that you're you're not going to be able to get away with in the main. So yeah. um, I the tough the toughest thing for me to kind of determine what i'm going to do with is starting pitching because um like rob kind of uh mentioned on that that pod i did with him like all the all these starting pitchers that i just absolutely love who are going around like pick 80 pick 90 uh pick 100 um where are they going to be going in the main event like where's Charlie Morton and Justin Verlander and Blake Snell and Zach Gallen and Luis Garcia. Like, where are these guys going to be going in the main event? Because if they're getting pushed up to like the fifth and sixth round, then um, you're really kind of screwed if you don't get a couple starters in those first uh, five or six rounds. But like right now, right now in drafts, I've been having a blast just, (laughs) <laughs> loading up on starting pitchers in that range, but I, I just don't think they'll be going there anymore. Yeah, like guys like like the Dylan Cease and Flaherty and Trevor Rogers, like in the sixth round. I don't think that's going to be the case in the main event. And then that's that's one tier, and it's a matter of when you want to start hammering that. And then like you, you mentioned, a bunch of other guys like your Snells and Evaldi's, that all could get moved up. So it's like okay, comparing it to these DCs that we're doing right now, it's like you can't even really. Um, sort of map out your team the same way is what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it means hitters are going to fall. So guys like whoever, right? Like your JD, and, Mar- and, JD Martinez, whatever. And especially if you're picking that at a, at a turn, um, 
mm-hmm. you just your queue could just get destroyed. Uh, yep. I mean, I think like Cease to me is definitely going to be going in the fourth round of mains. Um, I'm just interested to see like which of those like are there like only a few of those guys that get the bump. Um, and if they all get the bump, is it is it just going to be like, hey, you're you're on the clock at like pick eighty, and Pete Alonso is there? Like, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I haven't even looked at first base until around pick one thirty in these draft and holds, um, mm-hmm. and I don't plan on changing that strategy. But I do think there's going to be a lot of quote unquote values uh, from the like four, three and a half category hitters that don't provide speed. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be um, very strategic. Um, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go uh, pretty soon, but I got, two more, I got two more questions. I got one from Graham when he laughed. Graham laughed, by the way, for those of you listening. Uh, he's got a question in the chat um, that I kind of don't want to ask, but I will. Um, but I got a question for you first, Jared Klonick. Jared Klanek, he's going in the 120 to 140 range right now. Um, what do you think? Like, what do you think? Are you can can you see a bounce back to what um, people to maybe 80 percent of what people expected initially? Yeah, I mean, I I don't. Nothing would really surprise me with Kalnick. I just think it's crazy to take him where he's going right now. Um, you think he's going too early still? Yeah, I. I just wouldn't touch him there. I I'm like very like I'm not against like risk. It's just it's gotta be a certain type of risk and it's gotta be in a certain spot of the draft. And um like you know, I, I think like guys like there's risk with Cody Bellinger and with Christian Yelich. Uh and, you know, I, like obviously there's there's risk with guys like that, but I I think the upside is so obvious and they've got such a locked in um, status with their teams that I, I think it's, it's worth the risk uh, with those guys. Whereas with Kalnick, like what, what type of stat line are you happy with if you take him in the ninth round? Uh, like I, I just, I would bet a ton of money that, Dansby Swanson out earns Jared Kalanick this year. Um, now I could lose, I could lose that bet for sure. Like that's, it's not a lock, but I think probably win that bet like seven times out of 10, eight times out of 10. So I just, I think he's going too high. I heard you say you bet on Swanson over um, Bobby Witt Jr. too. Yeah. I mean, I like Swanson's going to be better in, average runs in RBI. I think they'll be about the same in home runs and Witt could steal 10 more bases, but I just, I don't, I don't, I don't want to take him two rounds earlier because there's a chance he steals 10 more bases and gets beat in the other four categories. I forget how the question is exactly framed, but um, just to clarify, would you, would your answer still be the same if we knew Bobby Witt Jr.'s hundred percent up at the start of the year? Yeah, I, like I'm operating like he's going to play in 90% of the Royals games, like 95% of the Royals games. Like I'm I'm not staying away from him because of the role, 
or, playing, or time. The playing time. I'm staying away from him because I think the batting average floor is really low. Okay. All right. Last question for you and I'll let you go. Graham said this in the chat. We want, we um, obviously uh, talked about Jake Berger on this podcast quite a bit. We like him. They got, they, they have a hole. They have a hole to fill in Chicago. I don't know if they're going to add free agents or make a trade. Um, but um, there's also a guy named Romy Gonzalez there. He was up briefly last year. He, he kind of gives me like cargo, cargo, well, vintage cargo on the Oakland A's vibes, just looking at him and watching him play. Um, he was one of those guys that made the criteria of that list, 270 batting average, 20 home runs, 15 stolen bases. Um, how do you see that um, shaking out um, uh, this year? Uh, it's the battle, I think the battle for second base. And granted, they could add someone, but um, talk about those two players. Yeah, I actually, I just got done writing uh, Jake Berger's outlook for the site uh, before we started recording. I, I like Jake Berger too. Um, I think it's, it really, it's really, really impressive what he did last year when you factor in all the context involved. Like he missed, like he basically went three years without playing in a pro game because he missed 2018 and 2019 with multiple Achilles injuries. And then he obviously was at the alternate site in 2020. So for him to miss three years worth of game action uh, and then to go from having never played above low A to playing at triple A, I mean, yeah, he was old, like he was 25 or whatever, but that's just so impressive to me to have jumped three levels and have missed that much time and to be as productive as he was last year. So like, I think the, the power is obvious. Like the, it, it's nice that we got to see him in the majors for a minute because he saw the, the hard hit data on him is, is very impressive. Uh, he's, he's gotten better as a third baseman. And I think if you factor in like all that missed time, like I don't think this is who Jake Berger is necessarily as a hitter. Like he might not be done um, improving uh, just as a, as a pure hitter. So I, I like Jake Berger a decent amount. Uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see where he's playing, where Jan Mankata is playing in spring training um, mm -hmm. to sort of see if that might be something they would consider. And then Romy, um, he's really impressive physically. Like he's just really built. Uh, he's got impressive physical tools, power, speed, uh, I'm quite a bit lower on his hit tool than I am burgers. And I think he's just, you know, he's a guy where I think the White Sox are totally fine letting him develop um, most of the year at triple uh, Maybe he's up in, in a pinch, but um, you know, he only played 15 games at triple last year. So uh, I think Romy's maybe someone we see in the middle of the summer if, if they deal with injuries, but Burger's the guy that I'm really keeping an eye on in spring training. Right. And Graham also had in his question, he mentioned Leary the cable guy, Leary Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> um, is he like, is he a threat to, is he a threat to Burger? I guess he is technically. Oh yeah. Like I, I would predict that he opens the year is kind of their, their second baseman. Um, so Graham said they, they, they gave him a contract, I guess. I yeah, I mean, like, you know, like, you just know that he's the type of guy that Tony LaRusso loves, you know, like, uh, plays the game <laughs> the right way and everything and uh, plays all over the field. And so I I think he's probably going to play a decent amount. Like, I, I think he's fine for, like, drafted holes just because I think he's someone that you can plug in most weeks if you deal with an injury. 
but I mean, realistically, he's a he's a utility guy. Uh, I think they know that, and uh, it, it'll just kind of be: do they bring anyone else in? If they don't bring anyone else in, maybe we do see Berger uh, playing a decent amount um, by like June or July. Cool. Well, that's all we had. I'll let you go. Uh, thanks for spending about an hour with me. I appreciate it, James. This is long overdue. Um, and we um, we got to talk on Fish's uh, Zoom meeting, his uh, late night chat the other the other uh, the other week. But it's good to talk to you. Um, and um, I wanted to um, let everyone know again where they can find you. I think it's the real real Jr. Anderson. Yeah, real Jr. Anderson on Twitter. Uh, all my stuffs at Rotowire. I've got a article that'll be out uh, within the next day or two, probably on. Uh, hitting prospect tiers for uh, redraft leagues. So basically draft and hold leagues. So I kind of put where every uh, hitting prospect kind of should be going. And my preference, I'm also going to include my player shares in there. Nice. So um, keep an eye out for that one. Do you want to see your most owned player or no? Or is that you have to subscribe to a red wire to see that? Uh, you know, I mean, don't, don't I, get me wrong. No. We, don't, we, don't, we don't give away our guys on this podcast. And you know that. Like, so if you want to hide your guys, I don't care. Like, so you just say, you just say, listen, listen, uh, read my article. Well, I, I want to actually just look, I don't even know off the top of my head who my most, uh, own guy is. So I'm just going to, I'm going to see who it is. And if I feel, if I feel comfortable, (laughs) if I feel comfortable sharing it. Uh, oh, well, yeah, I don't, I don't mind. Uh, so I have. I have 80% exposure to uh, five guys. Um, okay. So you don't feel Jesus, small? Give us one of them. Jesus Sanchez. I, I think I've been pretty clear about that. On, okay, good. I got, a, I got a good exposure to him too. Nice. All right. Well, thanks, James. Go, yeah, uh, thanks go, me, yeah, and check out his podcast, too, on Rotowire. You've been having great guests, and you've been doing a great job. I love it. I don't miss one. So thanks again, James. Come in. Rick, what are you still doing here? You guys, I thought you guys left like an hour ago. Oh, oh really? How much has he had to drink? Ah, and he's, uh, he's sleeping or passed out? Shit, okay. Um, well, did you drive here? No, you don't have a license? How old are you? How old are you? 30, 33, that's... Pretty old to not have a driver's license, Rick. Um, all right, well, he drove you where every day? You guys, you guys went to McDonald's after after the show every day, every time? That doesn't sound healthy. I'll just drive. I'll be, I'll, yeah, I'll give you a ride, but we're not. You got coupons to McDonald's? All right, all right. Cool. All right, well, yeah, sure. I guess we can do that. Um, what? Rick, sorry. I'm sorry, Rick. We, we don't have any spots open I'm not hiring right now. I don't need IT. Yeah, no, I know I'm still recording this, but I'm perfectly capable of editing things out. Like this will be gone. Don't worry. I don't need your services. I appreciate it, Rick. You seem like a great guy, but yeah. Okay. So what, how do I stop this? Okay. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. Don't forget your backpack. It's right there. Okay. Well, let's go. So stop it here. Thanks.